2: Find historical blindness on most podcast players and platforms.
0: What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
1: The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities.
2: Well, we'll see how this episode goes. I just woke up from a nap and I'm still groggy. Um, In in fact, I went to feed the dogs before we started this episode Mm -hmm. and I bent down to scoop some food out of the bag and I caught that picture of the dog on the bag of dog food out of the corner of my eye and I, for a moment, wanted to reach down and pat it. (laughs)
0: I mean, I don't blame you there.
2: It's like, hey, there's an, a dog I don't know in my apartment that I've never seen before. I think I should pat it, not, what the hell is that
0: dog doing in my apartment? No, pets should absolutely be your first thought. <laughs> I mean, it's been a rough week. We've been busy. Oh we we went to see Paul McCartney, and my life has forever changed.
2: That was amazing. I will post a, uh, a short video of Kat's response when the concert started with uh can't buy me love. As <laughs> soon as he hit that first note, Cats Weeping. It was <laughs> it was just wonderful. I'm
0: so glad you enjoyed it. I know I did. And I will forever note this part of my life as the post Paul yes, era.
2: The the PM era, if you will. PP. PPM, post Paul McCartney. I was gonna say post McCartney, but you're right. Yes, PPM sounds much better. It was amazing to be sitting there With There were probably 50,000 people in the stadium, Mm. and it was like everybody was best friends. Everybody was talking about their favorite Paul moment or their favorite Beatles song or how they first heard the Beatles or or Paul McCartney.
0: Yeah, we were definitely all in this together. It was a magical experience.
2: And refreshing, really.
0: (laughs) For real. (laughs) In today's society. I'm still flying a little bit, so uh, forgive me if I just screech my way through this episode.
2: Well, I you get started before the screeching begins, we've heard for years the story about how bacteria has changed, evolved, and mutated to become more immune to our antibiotics. And for nearly a century, antibiotics have been used extensively and have been overprescribed in many cases. And mm. this has given bacteria plenty of time to adapt uh, to basically superbugs is what they call them. And we've given him a lot of time to uh, adapt because in just a few years, we're going to celebrate the 100th anniversary of this discovery of penicillin, believe it or not. Oh, wow. And that began the dawn of the antibacterial age. Prior to that, there was really no way to treat infections. You know, we take antibiotics for granted. People back then just had to kind of let that infection run its course and hope for the best.
0: I don't understand that. Like, I've had urinary tract infections before that just took me out. Oh yeah. And I don't I don't think I would recover.
2: In those days, it was not uncommon to see the hospital literally full of patients that were suffering from things like blood poisoning that came from something as simple as a a small scratch or a cut that got infected. Antibiotics are compounds, of course, that are produced by fungi or bacteria that kill or at least inhibit a competing microbial species. But it was 1928 that the very first antibiotic penicillin was discovered by Alexander Fleming, in London at St. Mary's Hospital. Since his discovery, penicillin has been used to kill or control harmful bacteria like Streptococcus or Diphtheria bacillus. And even though over the last century, nearly, antibiotics have saved millions upon millions of lives, according to the Natural Resources Defense Council website, quote, with the global spread of bacterial superbugs, more and more infections are now much, much harder or even impossible to treat with antibiotics. In fact, antibiotic resistance has been identified as the top health crisis for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the World Health Organization. Wow. The overuse of antibiotics has literally sped up the development and spread of these superbugs. Mm. One of the big challenges right now that medicine is facing is what's called biofilm. Have you heard about this? I don't know. (laughs) According to Live Science, biofilms are a collective of several types of microorganisms that can grow on many, many different surfaces. Microorganisms that form biofilms include bacteria and fungi. They've been found growing on things from rocks to metal, and of course they grow on plant and animal tissue, but they can also grow on implanted medical devices like catheters or pacemakers. Oh,
0: sure, sure. That's what happened with our friend Jerome's leg. That wound that he had when he That's had his right. leg worked on that just wouldn't heal because it was just open metal with a bacterial infection on the metal itself. It was very bizarre. I didn't
2: even think about that. But yeah, that was that's exactly what it was. Mm. Biofilms are super resistant to antibiotics. In fact, Smithsonian Magazine says that they require an antibiotic concentration of one to a thousand times higher than needed. Oh, wow. And even sometimes then, it, that's ineffective.
0: Than what's normally needed? Yes. Okay, got it.
2: And unfortunately, because of all of this, infections have grown more and more resistant to modern medicine. Mm. Uh, These superbugs are persistent, and their ability to mutate quickly is making it challenging for research and development to effectively keep up.
0: That's so scary.
2: It is scary. And not keeping up would not only cost a lot of human lives, but the financial cost on top of that would be staggering. In fact, CNN says that if we don't deal with this issue... By 2050, 10 million people uh, may fall victim to infections, and the estimated cost in the UK alone would be more than 1.3 billion U.S. dollars a year.
0: I don't understand. The cost of... The...
2: Just trying to hospitalize and, oh, and, and treat them. We always think of the development of new medical procedures and the discovery of new antibiotics as forward-thinking. And of course, it is. But now researchers have started looking to the past for answers. They've begun researching and experimenting with ancient remedies that might provide some options to fighting these superbugs. And it seems that they may have found one. Ooh. They found this in the form of a 1,000-year-old medieval potion called Bald's Eye Salve. The ingredients, or the recipe, if you will. For the ball sack potion? <laughs> it's Bald's I salve. Uh-huh. It was discovered in a 10th century book called uh, Bald's Leech Book, Ooh. and it was inside a British library. It seems pretty straightforward type of concoction. Fortunately, there are no leeches.
0: That's good.
2: It contains wine, okay, garlic, onions, and then one ingredient that's a little more difficult to find and somewhat less palatable, uh, bile salts. And those are obtained from, a, from the stomach of a cow. Oh! Again, from CNN, researchers made batches of this stuff using the garlic and the onions that they just bought at a local grocery store. And they used a simple type of English white wine and, of course, bile salts. What they discovered shocked them. The concoction is extremely effective in beating back biofilms. In fact, Balds iSav has been successful Ballstack. in de- <laughs> has been successful in defeating five biofilm causing bacteria that includes those behind diabetic uh, foot infections and wow. ulcers. And normally these infections can lead to sepsis and amput- amputation if not treated properly. So, what exactly is the active ingredient? It's basically, it's, it's almost, if you take the, the bile salts away, mm-hmm. if you remove the bile salts, it's basically, I don't know, sounds like the ingredients for a delicious salad dressing.
0: <laughs> right, some sort of old school healing broth.
2: They said in their scientific report that the anti-biofilm activity of Ball's eye Ball sack. can't be attributed to one single ingredient it seems that it requires all the combination of all of those <gasps> ingredients to achieve its full activity
0: it's a stream concoction
2: it is just like what you used to make when you were yes, a kid
0: i knew i was on to something You'd go
2: to the stream with your mom's spice rack and cure cancer well apparently there was somebody in the 10th century who did similar things and was successful at it So having a mixture of ingredients such as these being so effective fighting biofilms was a surprising result, and one that has caused some confusion in the medical world. Sure. And it is, of course, requiring further testing. But so far, what they found in the tests on both uh, mice and human cells is that uh, there is minimal damage caused by the use of it, and it is extremely successful in beating back these biofilms. In an official statement, one of the researchers said, quote, "We could potentially develop a safe and effective antibacterial treatment from this remedy that was uh, created over a thousand years ago."
0: That's incredible, and you know what it reminds me of is the movie *Medicine Man*, starring yes, Sean Connery. Yes,
2: I love that movie. Right? I love a good jungle adventure anyway.
0: I love a jungle adventure, but yeah, it was all about the uh, the ants. In the sugar. There it is. Yeah. Yep. So I love this. This is so interesting.
2: But this isn't even the first time researchers have discovered that ancient medicines can be potentially effective against modern infection and diseases or diseases. Um, a good example is artemisian. That's derived from wormwood. And this is extremely effective in combating malaria. And it was developed from details found in an ancient Chinese text.
0: Oh, Wow. It also reminds me of the um, Irish grave dirt story that you talked about. I forgot
2: about that one. Yeah. Yeah. They found certain microorganisms inside the dirt of one specific grave that helped heal. And they thought it was some sort of a, like he was a saint or something, something spiritual or paranormal. Turns
0: out it's just real good dirt.
2: Real good dirt and real good science. Bald's Leech Book also contains references to wormwood and its effectiveness for malaria. Many of the concoctions listed in the manuscript involve some pretty common ingredients like vinegar or honey. Uh, Then there are some more stranger ones like the bile salts and uh, even blood of a Komodo dragon. No, thank you. Of course, many of the prescribed treatments are ineffective, if not outright harmful. Sure. But... uh,
0: Like bleeding, for instance. Which I'm sure is included in
2: Bald's leech book. Yeah, it's probably (laughs) chapter one, verse one. Uh, But what we're finding is that there are many potentially effective ones that are commonly prescribed hundreds, even thousands of years ago.
0: So cool. It's
2: a new area that's being called ancient biotic treatment.
0: Oh, I like that. I
2: I love that.
0: Maybe the next time we're up in Maine, I'll take you to the stream And um, maybe we can dip you in the stream and see if it'll heal your gout.
2: I don't have gout.
0: All right. See if it'll heal your surly temperament.
1: (laughs) My
2: source material was Life Science, Vintage News, CNN, and the National uh, Resource Defense Council's website.
0: I love it.
1: The
2: Box of Oddities with
1: Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth.
3: On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course stock ideas. Plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: And now, that thing in the middle.
2: William Patrick Stewart Houston was a respected and well-liked member of the United States Armed Services. During World War II, he served for three years and was awarded a Purple Heart in the process. After the war, he moved to New York State and married his partner, Phyllis. They raised four children and set up their own successful healthcare business. But what most people didn't realize was that their neighbor's birth name was William Patrick Hitler, and he was in fact the nephew of Adolf Hitler. But he hated his uncle. In fact, In 1939, he wrote an article called, Why I Hate My Uncle. So he came to the U.S., joined the Navy, and fought against his uncle, Adolf. Let's take a look at the inbox of oddities. James sent us an email. Hey, you two, I'm currently listening to Box 427. JG's talking about the taxing of soda pop. And Kat mentioned that one time she had an out-of-state family that ordered Coke and were upset when they didn't bring them Sprite. Well, I'm from Texas and down here, it is common to hear people say they want a Coke and then someone ask them afterwards what kind because pretty much every soda here is called Coke. I just wanted to share that with you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. I can't wait until the shallow end comes out so I can get even more JG and now the curator as well. See, that's totally new to me, the idea that Coke it has become in some parts of at least the U.S., Kind of a generic term, like like we use Kleenex for tissue. Mm-hmm. That's some great marketing on the part of Coke. Smart.
0: We also got a message from Gary Fotog on Instagram regarding your story about the tomato trial. Yes. Growing up, I always wondered why my family had so many tomato cookbooks, LOL. <laughs> Colonel Robert Johnson was a relative. Oh, geez. <laughs> so I'm guessing, yeah, if you're a descendant of Colonel Robert Johnson, the man who put the tomato back on the map in the States, you're going to support him with as many tomato recipes as you can. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much.
2: And then Arielle sent us an email. Kat and Jethro, in your latest episode, Kat mentioned she enjoys bottle digging. I'm an archivist and historian, and I'm in love with bottles. Let me know if you need any help identifying or dating your finds. I can also share how to locate potential bottle dumps, even though it sounds like you've already found a pretty good one. Uh, should you like my help, please send me close-up pictures of uh, the bottles, each side, top and bottom. I'm more than happy to share my knowledge with you, and I can't. And if I can't identify something, then my colleagues certainly can.
0: What a cool resource you are. I love
2: it. Thank you for your wonderful podcast. Stay odd, Ariel. Oh, my God. Thank you so much.
4: Fantastic. There are really many reasons to listen to our podcast, Big Picture Science. It's kind of a challenge to summarize them all, Molly.
1: Okay, here's a reason to listen to our show, Big Picture Science, because you love to be surprised by science news. We love to be surprised by science news. So, for instance, I learned on our own show that I had been driving around with precious metals in my truck before it was
4: stolen that was brought up in our show about precious metals and also rare metals like most of the things in your catalytic converter i was surprised to learn that we may begin naming heat waves like we do hurricanes you know prepare yourself for heat wave lucifer
1: i don't think i can prepare myself for that
4: look we like surprising our listeners we like surprising ourselves by reporting new developments in science and while asking the big picture questions about why they matter and how they will affect our lives today and in the future. Well, we can't affect lives in the past, right? No, oh, I, I guess that's a point. <laughs> so the podcast is called Big Picture Science and you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts.
1: We are the host, Seth is a scientist, I'm a science journalist, and we talk to people smarter than us. We hope you'll take a listen.
4: Hello everyone, Stuck, you here. And
3: I'm Gabby.
2: It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.
0: Box Laboratories, bringing you the voices you know and new stories you've never heard. All in a brand new podcast that may become your second favorite. The Shallow End, coming soon from the Box of Oddities.
2: What do you got for me?
0: On the morning of April 18, 1991, a 35-year-old man named Christopher Case was found dead in his Seattle apartment. Police were baffled. There was no sign of a struggle or a fight. There was no forced entry. On the 16th, two days prior, his friend Sammy couldn't reach him. And called the local police to do a welfare check on their friend. Police had been called to Christopher's apartment and it was locked so the police couldn't get in. The next day, Sammy had heard from Christopher. He'd left an answering machine message. He sounded calm and resigned. He explained that they had almost gotten him and that he expected to die. His friend who'd requested the wellness check told police that Christopher felt his life was in jeopardy after a woman from San Francisco put a curse on him several weeks ago.
2: Oh, my. Oh, my.
0: It was the next day he was found dead. So here's what happened. Christopher Case was 35 years old. He'd moved to the West Coast from the East Coast, where he worked as a radio broadcaster in Richmond, Virginia and Raleigh, North Carolina. He was well-liked, described as mentally stable, according to his friends. He was a fitness enthusiast, focusing on working out, taking vitamins and supplements to stay healthy. In April of 1991, Christopher traveled to San Francisco for a work conference. He was working as the director of programming for Muzak, the company responsible for elevator music and sure. department store jingles. Right. And it was on this trip that he met a woman who shared his interest in what he referred to as ancient music. Now, I don't know if that means like... Celtic drums, or if it's like, you know, BTO. It's hard to, (laughs) it's hard to know. Someone referred to Nirvana as oldies the other day on TikTok. So I'm, you know, I'm trying Mm. to resolve this within myself. Anyway, these two got talking. The woman made an advance toward Christopher. He turned her down and that's when It said that she became agitated and told Christopher she was a witch and she was going to curse him. Now, Christopher wasn't really a believer in that kind of thing. He merely shrugged it off as the woman being angry that he had rejected her, and he returned home to Seattle on April 12th. That's when he spoke to his friend Sammy and relayed this story to them. Wow. Two days later, though, the vibe was very different when Christopher talked with Sammy. Christopher called on the 14th, obviously distressed, expressing concern over what he described as whispers in his apartment that he couldn't find a source of. There were shadows dancing around his apartment, and he felt as though he was being watched as he tried to sleep. You can see how this would be both concerning for Christopher, who was experiencing these things, and his friend, who said they'd never known him to buy into stuff like this. Yeah,
2: this is totally disconcerting.
0: Right. They they both laughed it off initially when he told them the story about the witch in Seattle. So very upsetting.
2: It's interesting because uh, you did the Bell Witch story uh, in our live show, one of our live shows at Zanies in Nashville. And... There was whispering there mm. as well, too, but that didn't freak me out as much as this. They described this sound coming from their bedroom like rats were eating their bedposts. Yeah. And there were no rats.
0: That's very upsetting. Just
2: the sound. I'd be like, get your shoes, we're at grandma's.
0: No, mm. thank you. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, no. So, anyway, uh, Christopher's having a bad time and. Two days later, he called again. He said that he had been attacked while he was sleeping, that someone was trying to suffocate him, and that he was being choked by unseen hands. Mm, mm, mm. There was also blood on his bed sheets, and he had cuts on his fingers and hands, almost like self-defense wounds.
2: And he didn't remember how he got
0: them? Just that he was defending himself from this unseen attacker. Wow.
2: Wow. Wow.
0: Christopher went to a religious bookstore nearby and had selected some crucifixes. He told the store manager that he was being attacked by some sort of awful supernatural power, and the store manager recommended some books that they thought might help. Mm -hmm. That evening, something happened. We don't know what happened, but it led Christopher to leave his apartment and stay the night at a hotel. So it must have been pretty serious. This is when Sammy was not able to reach him and called the local police to do a welfare check on their friend. That's when police found the door to Christopher's apartment locked and they couldn't get in. The next day is when Sammy received that answering machine message from Christopher sounding more calm, explaining that they had almost got him and that he expected to die. That day, two other people heard from Christopher, a Catholic church priest And the religious bookstore manager that he'd talked to before said that he had returned. It was the next day that police were able to enter Christopher's apartment. This time, it was unlocked on a welfare check. What they found was very confusing. There were lines of salt along the base of each wall in the windowsills and doorways of the apartment. Crucifixes had been scattered about the apartment. There were religious books and texts all over the place and a dozen or so burned down candles. Police heard religious music coming from Christopher's bedroom and that's when they found Christopher's body. He was discovered clothed in an empty bathtub in a kneeling position, head resting on the wall. Major Jackson Beard of the King County Police said the salt and other objects found at the scene have some significance in self-protection against demons or evil forces. We know this. We've seen yep. Supernatural.
2: Well, we've we've also saged our apartment we, yes, a we, couple of we've times. We've had to do that. Yes, right. Mm-hmm.
0: It's pretty clear, he said, he thought something was going on. However, Beard said that the crime scene didn't suggest that someone came in and did something to Christopher Case. An autopsy revealed Christopher's death was caused by myocarditis, which is an inflammation that can lead to heart failure. The thing is, there had been no symptoms beforehand that Christopher had any heart issues. So this seemingly healthy, mid-30s man with no prior mental health issues, with no physical health issues, um, just became obsessed with this idea that he was being cursed and then died of a heart Hmm. attack.
2: Yeah. And he was a bit of a fitness guy. Yes. Wow.
0: So there are some theories about what went down here. One, bitch was a witch.
2: Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Um, now, of course, that one's kind of hard to buy into, especially since, I mean, I wouldn't kill someone over being rejected for a date. That seems like a, a like a lot.
2: Yeah. To me. A bit of an overreach.
0: A bit. It's thought that maybe Christopher's vitamins and supplements could have reacted poorly. Maybe he was taking some things together that he shouldn't have been, that affected his heart negatively.
2: Or... Uh, they, they interacted with the overabundance of salt lying around his apartment.
0: That's possible, too. Or the adrenaline that was obviously yeah. running through his system in extreme amounts. Um, there, it, and it's thought that it's possible Christopher just scared himself to yeah, death.
2: Yeah, that That's what I think. I mean, you know, I'm no expert on this and I love a good, uh, you know, paranormal scenario, mm-hmm. but it sounds to me like maybe it's one of those types of self-fulfilling prophecies where he got it in his head mm-hmm. and something may have happened that was legitimately weird and he just started dwelling on it. Sure. And, and like you said, the adrenaline, he just scared himself to death or bitch was a witch.
0: Either way, it's so upsetting. And this story took on kind of a life of its own because obviously you're going to focus on the fact that some San Francisco witch put a curse on this guy. Mm -hmm. But what might have happened is that he had a vitamin overload and adrenaline took him out. I mean, there's so many possibilities. And the toxicology report didn't show anything weird. It's just a really unfortunate circumstance. And I'm sure... Uh, distressing for his family, yeah,
2: regardless of what the
0: what the cause was exactly. I got a lot of my background information from Reddit. And of course, Reddit is a place where you're going to find a lot of theories. And um, (laughs) so I didn't include all of those theories. But it's really interesting to see how people see this kind of scenario and then put their own spin on what might have happened. It's one Mm -hmm. of those, you know, what probably happened kind (sighs) of situations. Yeah.
2: We we have a friend who uh, will whenever something happens, they'll say, well, you know what probably happened, and it will be the most outrageous,
0: outrageous.
2: <laughs> possible scenario. And they'll be dead serious about
0: yep, it. Yep, that's what probably happened. That's what
2: probably happened. All yeah. right, mm-hmm. Gremlins, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I got most of my information from conspiracytheories.net, the Morbid Library, Seattle Times, and, of course, Reddit. I'd
2: like to take a moment to thank our newest supporters on Patreon, Jillian. Heather, Hannah, Jacqueline, and Carrie Ann have become members of the Order of Freaks. And uh, if you would like to do that, you get ad-free episodes, you get them a a day early, you get lots of benefits. In fact, right after we're done recording this, in about four minutes, we're jumping on a Zoom call with uh, members of the Order of Freaks on Patreon
0: super excited so we gotta go
2: yeah we gotta go but you can go to our website and you can find all the information there if you want to become a member of the Order of Freaks
0: thanks so much
2: theboxofoddities.com see you next time
0: until then keep flying that freak flag
1: fly it proudly you beautiful freak and so let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you. To provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.
0: An autopsy revealed Christopher's death was caused by Marty... Mayo... Myocarditis. Carditis. Myocarditis. Was caused by myocarditis. Carditis. Card. No, that's not right. (laughs) Stop trying to trick me. Oh, you almost had me.